is episode number nine of the Runner's High podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I am one of your hosts, Craig Siegel. Sitting alongside me is... Grace Madigan. (laughs) Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can find us on iTunes using the Apple Podcast app, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And you can also follow along with us using the handle at Runner's High and Jay on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So, Grace, this week we have a very, very special guest. You and I both know him all too well. A little too well. A little too well in your, <laughs> on your, in, in your regards. But, uh, but yeah, we're going to have our very own Dean Schantz joining us uh, this week on the podcast. Dean is an absolute legend in the run specialty industry. Uh, he got his start uh, way, way back. So we're going to jump in to the interview with uh, Dean Schantz. Alrighty, guys. So we are here with Dean Schantz. Dean, thanks for joining us here tonight. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a little uh, your new stomping grounds. Well, Thursday, you know, it's, I'm not used to being here Thursday. I know. It's uh, you, are you missing your fantasy golf or what? No, no, no. We, we didn't have the grandkids this week, so yeah, you know, leave left on Tuesday, and um, Betty's uh, son said that he was going to be with the kids uh-huh. today so, so we didn't have to go up there so you had some good opportunity to spend some time here with us yes tonight, with so. you and grace you know? <laughs> this is great right. <laughs> get you two, twice in one week yes right. <laughs> all right so let's um let's first talk a little bit about uh you know i mean how many how many years experience has it been is it f- in the running yeah store? In, running industry. In, the sto- uh, in the running industry yeah, yeah. i sold my first running shoes in 1976 out of the trunk of my car right right, right. i uh, <laughs> New Balance had come to me, and I, I was able to buy New Balance shoes at wholesale and sell them out of the trunk of my car. And yeah. Back then, they were making 400 pair of shoes a day is all. Yeah. So it worked out really well for me. I was teaching in college, okay. and then they got bigger, okay. and they told me that I couldn't do that anymore. So they made me their salesman, okay. which did not work out, to say the least. Okay. <laughs> uh, they weren't able to make enough shoes. They had just started. And they, I, I was selling just in my little region of New, northern New Jersey, a couple hundred pair a day. That's a crap. And, <laughs> you know, just it was just you, every store you went into. Back then, Runner's World had just had their first ratings for running shoes. Okay. New Balance had the number one and the number three shoe on okay. rated. Everybody wanted them. Yeah. Every store wanted them. Yeah. So it was easy, you know. And then when I became salesman, they could not keep up with this is nationwide they couldn't keep up yeah so they were six months behind in delivery oh wow and i didn't wow. know anything about sales so you don't get paid until the ship shoes are shipped until they're paid oh. for and then you get your commission so you're talking about i had just gotten married mm-hmm. uh for my first marriage and um it, it did not work out to say the least <laughs> to go with no money coming in for a long period of time yeah so. yeah so what did that transition then I decided like. to go back and get another master's degree. Okay. And one of this company, one of the stores I went to was Sneaker Factory. Okay. Uh, the guy had a, had two stores. Um, he let, allowed me to come in. He hired me on a full-time, part-time basis. Mm-hmm. And I put a running store in there. And Frank Shorter had some clothing. So there was very little running then. Right. And um, after a couple months, I found out I really liked retail. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed it. So my master's degree sort of, the 16 
scene credits that I was taking to go for a second master's degree, I sort of put on hold yeah. and borrowed some money and opened a store in 1978 in Milburn. And probably the funny thing was I went to borrow money and I went to the first uh, older lady, probably in her 40s then, and she said it was the most ridiculous idea she had ever heard. Right. Nobody's going to buy sneakers or running shoes. I make another appointment to go to another bank, and it was a young kid, probably 23 years old. I was asking for $20,000. He wanted to give me sixty. Okay. He said it was the greatest idea wow. he had ever heard. He, it was a great thing, and so that started me on the road. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. What was, what, what was the address of the first door? 315 Milburn Avenue. All right. And we moved across the street. Oh, boy. Uh, after 16 years, the lease ran out, and I got an offer on a much bigger store at the same rate. Yeah. Uh, one of my customers. And that was 308 Melbourne Avenue. So I hope, moved almost right across the street. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's a funny point because I know you and I had talked a little bit about when moving the business. And, um, you know, like you said, it was right across the street. And, you know, now it's, you know, if we were to move or, if, you know, you open up a new business, it's all social media. It's all how do you get the message out there. And I always love, like, the story that you tell, like, when customers would call and be like, oh, you you left or you moved. And you would just, like, walk outside and be, like, yeah, exactly. waving to them. that Like, no, I'm over here. Like, no. like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, they, you know, people didn't realize that I had moved. And yeah. they would pull up and the store's not there anymore. Right. And, you know, so, but I was right directly, almost directly across the street. Right. So probably 50 or 40 yards away. Yeah. Yeah. Just hire someone. I'll just stick their head out and be like, yeah. we're over here. Yeah. Like yeah. one of those flipping signs. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Just yep. like. <laughs> no, Melbourne wouldn't allow that. So. <laughs> Not back then. No. Definitely. Um, so let's take a step back a little bit, you know, before, um, you know, you would, you would taken over in sneaker factory and opened up the running you know uh store there um and before like kind of getting into the running shoe industry with new balance like what was your history initially with running um okay my freshman year in high school i played football like sure. every i was six feet 165 pounds so i was a pretty big guy i was also the fastest runner in the school mm-hmm. even for the, the upperclassmen. Um, so I went out for football. I played freshman football, and they were going to move me up to varsity. Mm-hmm. I hated football. Um, <laughs> I just hated the co- the coaching and the language that they used and everything, and I was pretty good at it. But um, I got hurt the next to the last game, freshman game, um, and they didn't move me up to varsity. I actually stopped playing football. Played basketball, and I, played, I was okay at basketball, but mm-hmm. I played varsity basketball my freshman year. But baseball was my whole thing. And I started every – I played every inning of every varsity game in high school. Made first team all county two years in a row. Made third team all state in baseball and had tryouts with a couple teams. But in the meantime then, um, football was coming up my sophomore year. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I honestly didn't know what I was going to do. I did not want to play football. So the basketball coach came to me at the end of the year and said, why don't you go out for cross country? Mm Mm-hmm. I had no idea what cross country. I saw some little skinny guys running around on the field. Sure. Knew nothing. I got my physical the day before, so I didn't go to the first day of practices because it was a physical day. I walked in and still hadn't made up my mind that a gym and the football team was gone. Mm-hmm. And the cross country team was sitting over on the side, and I walked over and 
it made me. I right. mean, yeah, I, yeah. Be, I, I, I was shocked at how good I was in cross country. Yeah. You know, and that was 1962, and I ended up being undefeated and getting second in the state. Yeah. And, you know, that, I, that was my best year ever. Sure. <laughs> but uh, but, but in, I had some injuries. had nothing to do with running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but that, and I really enjoyed running. Yeah. So. And then you went on to, to Trenton State, now TCNJ. Right. I right. went to Trenton State College and never planned on running. I planned on playing baseball there. Okay. Um, and that was, was not the reason I went there because it was only $75 a semester, uh, which was the main reason. Wait, say that again. $75 a semester <laughs> was to go to school. You can't even get a book no. for that much. No. Our yeah. shoes are more expensive than that. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. and I, that's the reason I was close to home. I had friends there. And I met a guy, a kid who was on the cross-country team, was in my first three classes. And he kept badgering me about coming out for cross-country. And yeah. badgering me. He finally hit the right chord that I wasn't good enough because uh, they had already had two weeks of practice. So I went to the cross-country coach. And I was also trying out for a basketball team. Mm-hmm. The, and I made the varsity basketball team in preseason practices in basketball. Um and I went to the cross-country coach, Rick McCorkle, who was a huge influence in my life mm-hmm. after that. And his words were, if you stay out for the whole season, then you can come out for cross-country. Mm-hmm. I ran the first meet two days later. Fortunately for me, we were running Gettysburg, and they evidently weren't very good, and they only wanted to run two and a half miles. Okay. So I hadn't been running at all, and I ran two and a half miles. I ended up getting fourth on our team. Uh-huh. And the rest of the year, I just enjoyed The kids and the team, we just got along. We were like a family, and that was what running old, stayed with me my whole life. Yeah. It was a family. Yeah. And I just got hooked on running then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it just became my life. I got out of college. I knew I was going to keep running. Yeah. I had run for Penn AC uh, down in Philly for a club because Herb Lorenz, who was another big influence in my life, ran for them, and I just went with him to races yeah. and things. Yeah. Um, you know, and I learned a lot from you know Coach McCorkle, from Rick McCorkle, um, and it was just a great thing for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. So how did you come to find? I mean, getting your start with, and I just I would love to have been a fly on the wall when you're just kind of selling shoes out of the, the back <laughs> of your car. <laughs> How did you come to find like that was something that you really wanted to do? Was it just like a natural thing? Like, Hey, I like running. Let me yeah, know, well, kind of, I was the head of the AAU then mm-hmm. AAU long distance running. I was 25 or something like okay. that. And, um, there was changes taking place with the AAU and they elected me to be the long distance chairperson. Um, they had a couple of older guys who had been there for years. It was, Somebody thought it was time for them to get out, okay. so they brought me. They hired. They they we elected Fred Best, who uh, became the long distance chairperson for one year, but he became president of the AAU in New Jersey. So I became the head of long distance running, and I, because of that, uh, I was going to races every weekend, mm-hmm. and be, there weren't many races, but I had a trunk full of shoes. Right. And New Balance, I could call them on Monday and order shoes, and they'd be there Thursday or Friday at right. my house. So I was making I, – I could make money off of it, and I actually enjoyed it. Sure. Because people would drive up to my house in Little Falls and pick up their shoes. They'd try on their shoes. We'd have a beer. And, you know, <laughs> so I still run into people. Their first pair of shoes they bought out of the trunk of my yeah. car. Yeah. So It's just such a different – Yeah. A different world, yeah. you know. Gary Murphy started much. that we way too. Yeah. Right, <laughs> we, yeah, that's true. We do on Friday afternoons. Yeah. yeah, 
See, that's what you miss on Friday afternoons here. You oh. Know, uh, we'll throw one or two back. Oh, okay. So you can start on Tuesday, I guess. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Grace won't let me drink on Tuesday, so she has a very strict rule. Oh, very strict policy. That. Very so. strict policy. Um, so I guess going – so now opening, you know, Sneaker Factory, what were some of, like, the early um, – kind of challenges and obstacles when, when doing something like that back then? Um, I was the only employee. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. know that yep. from when you started. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's six days a week. You were open right. seven days a week. I was only open six days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I limited my hours to 10 to 5.30, except for Thursdays we were open late. Mm-hmm. And uh, Saturday was 10 to 5.30. Um, it's just being there all the time. Right. And, um, you know, trying to keep my running going and everything. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, very, very hard. I didn't live – after the first six months, I moved to Milburn. So I didn't live far away. I lived five okay. minutes away. So that was an easy thing. It was easy to run in Milburn where uh-huh. there was South Mountain Reservation and there were places to run. Um, the challenge was just getting the inventory and, you know, you know what that's like. Mm-hmm. You know, companies just don't have shoes sometimes. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't – I didn't understand retail at all. I'm still not sure I ever really understood retail. Um, I was good at selling shoes, running my business. I stunk at that. I always thought if I look back, I should have hired somebody to run the financial part of the business. Sure, yeah. I was not good at that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I don't know, in our industry, it's probably a pretty common, yeah. you know, conflict, right? Because, I mean, a lot of a lot of us get into it because – of our passion for running, not our passion for, um, you know, numbers and cents, you know, so it can be kind of a challenge when, when kind of combining those two, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you had, you had the store for just under 30 years, correct? Uh, right around 30 years. It was 78 to, I'm not sure even when I sold it. Uh, oh, six. Cause I had to see yeah, I something like that, but I had to stay there for a few more years sure. uh, the yeah, way yeah. the buyout went with yeah. it. Yeah. So, and then you joined us here in Fort. You and I. You and I are looking uh, I at each other. I don't know. Yeah. For, for, I think 2014. Something like that. Yeah, that yeah, sounds, yeah. Sounds yeah, right. Yeah, I, I the, go back a little. I met Craig. We were running out at the reservoir. I wasn't running with Craig. Craig was running at the <laughs> reservoir, and I see him standing in the parking lot, and I really did not know Craig. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, "I want to talk to you." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, you know what about?" So uh, he started talking about the store, and I. You have to have passion, and Craig has right. it. Um, you, I had the passion for mm-hmm. it, and it was my whole life. It just became everything. It was my social life and everything. Um, but you had to have a passion, and I don't know, a month later, you're waiting there again. Sure, and yeah. we sort of had an unwritten rule that I don't think we ever talked about that yeah. when my buyout was done at Sneaker sure. Factory that I could start working here. Right. And yeah. I announced my retirement one day right. and walked in here the next he day. signed and, you as a free agent on the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and Craig hands me the keys. Right. Yeah, that and was I, actually... I had never been in the store before and he says, I have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh, this is good. Yeah. The first person walks in, I decided what shoes they wanted, but they didn't know where they were. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we used, you used the same computer program that I used yeah. then. And so it was that part was easy, but I had to learn where you kept – and it was only half the store then. Sure. So it was actually yep. not very hard to yeah. find out where the shoes were. Yeah, I do remember that day. I, mean, <laughs> I, I remember going because I was still coaching at, at Homedale at the time. So that's why you and, and I had to leave, yeah. And uh, I, remember, <laughs> I remember getting to practice, and I was – talking to uh, Sean McCafferty, mm-hmm. who's now the CBA coach, and because uh, he was coaching at home at the time. 
And I was telling him, I was like, yeah, and he was like, we hired Dean, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're so excited. And he's like, you just left him there? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, like, dude's been doing this for like 35 years. I was like, yeah, I think he knows what he's doing, yeah. you know? Yeah. But again, it was more of just like the logistical, like, yeah. you know, because I think, and remind me again where you kept all, and I always, like whenever we're doing inventory, I always get like such a kick. Like you kept all of your one sizes together. Yes. Like, so it was like all your eights are here. Exactly. All your eight and a halves are here. I'm just like, yep. Yep. I get such a kick of thinking about trying to do inventory in that fashion. Yeah. Because it would just drive me <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had, we had I had a basement I had sure, a full yeah, basement yeah. in yeah. the store so the store was probably this size but also with a full basement yeah. so it was very easy to have the shelves and yeah. have all the women's shoes on one side and all the you know I, I had a little storage room upstairs and probably wasn't the best thing to do because we put all the best sellers up there. So sure. they were the ones you sold all the time. You know, right, right. You know you're pushing, you, it's much easier to just go into the stock room and get the adrenaline or get the you know, Saucony Guide or sure. whatever is selling. Cause selling you know, you can sell that mm-hmm. rather than walk downstairs and get something that you, know, you, you want to get rid of, but right, it's still right. a good shoe. Um, so I, that was easy to do. Yeah. So yeah. that's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so obviously a, a long and, and historic career in the industry. What would what would you say, you know, from and this might just be like a really broad and general question, but you know, what would you say some of the biggest kind of changes that you've seen oh, you know, over that co- time? computers? Yeah. I, yeah. I used to keep every, <laughs> I used Technology. to keep everything on three by five cards. I had I had three by five cards. I have a circle yeah. for each shoe that was in stock, yeah. and I'd fill it in when we sold it. Yeah, and it was. A, Three by five card. I mean, you need a new three by five card. You staple them together, oh my gosh. and oh. it was the old compute, you know, yeah. program. And I'd be at a race, and I have somebody say, "Do you have such and such?" And I, but I knew almost all the inventory right. up until we moved across the street and became bigger. I knew everything I had in stock. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so it was fairly easy yeah. then. And as you got bigger, the the inventory just became hard to keep track of. Sure, yeah, very hard. Yeah. Computers made it a lot easier, but somebody had to update Grace updates on every Tuesday. I <laughs> that was not one of my strong points is sure. updating what we had in stock. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's one of those things too. And like even you know, I mean, Rob's kind of cut a little bit from the same cloth yeah. in terms of, of previously doing a little bit more old school with composition notebooks and things like that, and. I feel like I've kind of pushed the technology on him a little bit, but he also would admit to that. I think once we started to get, you know, our other shop on a system that his, you know, he used to be like, like you could call him at like 1230 in the middle of the night and be like, Hey, do you have a woman's size eight, you know, new balance eight sixty and whatever colorway? And he'd be like, yes or no. Yeah. And now it's a little bit more questionable when yeah. you're like relying on, you have computers. to use computers. Yeah. You have now to, I was, I was, I was yeah. shocked that he didn't use a computer. Absolutely yeah. shocked. Yeah. No, he started in, uh, uh more modern times than when you had started in the yeah, late well, 70s. There was no excuses. For, and, yeah. and the only reason yeah. I got it is Tim Styler and Matt Almucci yeah, were working yeah. for me. Sure. Um, and they just kept bugging me and right, bugging right, me. Right. <laughs> Tim comes in from Villanova yeah. uh, before yep. you. Yeah, he and I were teammates for And, and I gave him and uh, and I gave I gave him my credit card. Yeah. And he went out and he and I had no idea what I was getting or what I was going to do. And he hires his sister who's 16 to sit in the basement. Right. And I had no idea what she was doing. She was typing everything in. Right. 
and I didn't. I at the time I don't know that I would have gone for it. Sure, but yeah. Once it, it, we got it going, it made perfect sense. Everything yeah. had to be tagged. Everything had to be you know barcode. You had to read the barcodes on them. And she was just a adorable 16 year old girl sure, sitting yeah, in the yeah, basement yeah. and typing away and typing away and when i see her now she's married and has a couple kids <laughs> yeah she remembers those days sure, uh, but yeah, they yeah, made me yeah. do it and then when they left i still didn't know how to use the computer yeah and yeah. i would call one of them and they just laugh so what went wrong well <laughs> this computer shut off hit these two buttons just right, right. don't ask why just do it okay i'm fine I, you know, and I had to learn how to put everything in, how to do everything. So I had to learn quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and then I had other, with Julie Cully, I had other great employees that just, you know, worked and, you know, just could jump in and work. Uh, So, you know, for me. Yeah. I was lucky. I had a lot of of the coaches, Chris Tafelsky, J.J. Clark worked for me. Yeah. I mean, there were so many great people that came, you know. I came Chris Lear and Tim Lear. Sure. Yep. Um, you know, Chris yep. wrote Running for the Buffaloes yep. yeah. or the Buffaloes. And just, I was lucky to have great employees. It's too. so funny, too, because when you, when you like, list off, like, the, the names of people I'm, that have come through, it's, like, a who's who of, yeah. like, New Jersey yeah. track make, history. Make <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, you know, it's yeah. kind of wild. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, like, the – the, the product because I do love your stories of like older product and like yeah. the, the stuff you've seen you know throughout the <laughs> throughout the years um, so let's talk about those Gore-Tex suits a little bit <laughs> well we I tell you Gore-Tex suits were a huge 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 <laughs> thing I mean I they were two fifty three hundred dollars four hundred dollars yeah. and wow. people yeah. buy them I mean I would yeah. get them in Asics at probably had the best Gore-Tex suit of all time mm-hmm. um, and people would come in and just buy them they fit they worked really good they were hot yeah were they heavy too they were the newer ones weren't near as hot okay. weren't near as heavy yeah. the first ones were very very heavy yeah. they didn't breathe particularly well but it worked and sure. people had a lot of money yeah and you know so I had one guy come in and buy Four Gore-Tex suits one day. Yeah. You could just close up store and give me his go home. And it, yeah. it was $1,200 in three minutes, four minutes. Right. He goes, how right. many how many larges do you have? I have how many colors? They have four different colors. And he walked out with them. Right. How you much know? do they cost now, Gore-Tex suits? I, mean, I don't, think I don't even know they, they have them anymore. Them. They're not yeah. really a practical item anymore. No. It's almost like a like a wrestler's, like, yeah. like I need to sweat before I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that concept, yeah. It was nylon with Gore-Tex laminated up against it, so they didn't really... They were supposed to breathe, but that's, it really was not super technical, I would think. Well, they had a lot of vents in them. The better ones had a lot of vents in them, so... And they fit real well. The old ones, the first ones, were Bill Rogers' nylon suits. Yeah, they're just mm-hmm. plain nylon, yeah. nylon windbreaker, <laughs> yeah. and you ran in them. Uh, the probably the biggest technical thing was when Gretovites were uh, polypropylene, the okay. life of polypropylene. Okay. I happened to have it in stock. Um, I don't know who the salesman was, but he had talked me into bringing it in. She wore it at the New York City Marathon okay. and won, and everybody wanted it. I mean, I, I knew when she came across the finish line what she had, and they were talking about it sure. on TV. Yeah. I got up Monday morning and called Life of wherever they were, yeah. and I ordered as much as I could get. And in two <laughs> weeks, I was out of it. Yeah, yeah. And it was 1995 for the top, 1995 for the bottom back then. But it wicked the perspir- it wicked your perspiration away, and it okay. worked. The problem was that it held on to body odor. 
Okay. That well, was a yeah, that was a problem. That trade-off. was a problem. <laughs> yeah. Me after you washed it and everything. Yeah. But mm. you know the guys didn't care. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, so that was funny. the that was the biggest change I think in like clothing yeah. when you started getting the wicking material. Yeah. And now it's all wicking material. Sure. Yeah. So now how about footwear? Footwear. Of- it started out. Uh, they, okay, uh, they all had <laughs> they all had Texan boards in them. There was a board in the bottom of the shoe of every shoe. Okay, um, not that's changed just before I opened the store. Nike came out with what was it called a slip lasted shoe. Okay, I think it was called the Elite, but that I'm not sure of. Okay, and they gave me a pair to try. There was a Nike store okay. up in Cedar Grove, and the manager was captain of my track team at William Patterson. Okay. He called me and gave me a pair. I could not wear. I pronate. I didn't realize I pronated until okay. that day, and I couldn't wear them. I came down to Lake Takanasi and ran really well, but I wore out the insides like of the both shoes. Side of the shoe, yeah, yeah, and uh, lost both big toenails oh, during the five k race. Yeah, that's too but, short of a race what? to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, so he called me the next day and he he said there was something wrong with the shoe, and I knew there was something different. So I took the shoe apart, and there was no board in it, okay. so it wasn't stable at all. I gave it to a kid I was coaching, and he ran a 218 marathon in it. Okay. And there was nothing wrong with the shoe. It was right. just it wasn't made for me. Right. That, that was when I that was when shoes started to change then yeah. with taking the board, which was made the shoe very hard. Um, and then Nike, the big innovation was their air bladder when they put it yeah, in the shoes. Yeah, yeah. They put it right up against the sole to begin with. So if something went through the sole, the air bladder went flat. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they then started putting it above their midsole material a little bit. Okay. And they don't use air anymore in their real running shoes but uh, yeah. with the newer materials. But that was a huge innovation. The other was Brooks with Jerry Turner had what was called a varus wedge. Mm. It was a wedge that told your foot to the outside. It was only good for people who pronated. Right. If you were a supinator and you turned out, it was really dangerous for you. So a store that didn't know how to sell the shoe was dangerous. The shoe was sure, really yeah. comfortable. Um, he was a huge innovator in running shoes. Unfortunately, he was not good at running the company. And Brooks was really hot. Right. But they moved the production to Puerto Rico to get a tax break. And the glue, okay. didn't, glue didn't dry in the shoes. The shoes <laughs> fell apart. I mean, they would fall apart in one yeah. run. So he went bankrupt. And, uh, okay. Brooks now has been bought and sold three or four times, right. and the company yeah. that has them now is fantastic. Except well, they're owned by get Warren the... Buffett. So, oh, are they really? Yeah, Brookshire. Yeah, Ooh. they're owned by Brookshire. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Okay, yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> okay, so they have money behind them. Yeah, they got a little cash in the, okay. the bank. Okay. I think. So. <laughs> but yeah, but other innovations, Etonic. Uh, was owned by Colgate Palmolive, I think, at the time. Okay, and they ha- had a shoe that had a, a, a negative heel. Okay, which made no sense. Back in it, like you Uh, sat like. Yeah, you sat back and it was supposed to throw you forward faster, (laughs) and so they gave me a pair to try. And to say it was the most uncomfortable shoe I ever wore. Yeah. And I was, I I gave it to a friend of mine, and he swore that in a five mile run he could be just as stiff and sore as he was after a marathon. Right. In that shoe. In that shoe. That's not a good thing. So the shoe didn't. They didn't put that on the market. Adidas, the guy who owned uh, who owned the distributorship of Adidas, started a company called Power after Adidas did their own distribution. Okay, and they had a hinge on the shoe. The heel came off of the shoe, and you could put softer and harder plugs in the back of the shoe. Really, they actually put the shoe on the market. The shoe was incredibly heavy, right? But it was really comfortable and it wore really well. Okay, but it's you know it just. It was heavy. Sure. It was yeah, a hard yeah. sell because nobody knew what power was. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, and Reebok was a player for a while. They got into running and they got out of running and they had some really good running teams. Kangaroo. Okay. Which is still around. They had a pouch in their shoe. Okay. They had a great running <laughs> team and had some good shoes. But the companies were never they stayed with it for a year or two or three. Sure, they were and kind then, of in and out yeah, and things like that. And moved to something else. Yeah. So yeah. um so I do know a big part of you know, growing the stores up north, you know, was the was the races, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh yeah. and yeah. and yeah. I saw you were just honored uh this past weekend. Right. At, yes. at President's Cup, they celebrated the 40th anniversary. So congratulations on yep. that. Thank you. Uh, so that was a race you had started up there. Yes. Um, so let's talk a, a little bit about about that race and other because, I mean, you've had a very large hand in, um, you know, being a race director for a lot of the major races, you yep. know, either uh, up north or even down here, different things like that, or, you know, throughout New Jersey. So I, I started when I was at William Patterson, I decided to hold a four mile race uh-huh. to recruit high school kids to come in. And I had Tom Fleming, I had good, really good team. So the guys ran four miles and I had, I think it may have been the first women's race in the state, okay. maybe in the United States, mm-hmm. all women. I had a two mile, all women's race, Nutley track club came and I made a deal with the female phys ed majors, and all the te- they would get extra credit in the class <laughs> if they came. So we ended up having a field of like 30 women yeah. run the two mile. Eh, some of them stopped. I think a couple of them stopped for a cigarette on the way <laughs> and thing. But it was a two mile run, and it ended up we went into the pool. New Balance gave me awards, so I had actually had awards. It was. 25 cents, I think, to run in the race. Okay. And we stayed on campus. 25 cents. So it didn't, co- you know, it really didn't cost me anything. And yeah. uh, the awards were, most of the time, they were old awards that I had or some of my friends had. We yeah. remarket them and give them out. So that was how I got started. And I realized it was a good um, recruiting tool for college. Okay. Uh, and then I started having organizations come to me and want me to hold races for them. Mm-hmm. Then when I opened a store, uh, people came and actually wanted to pay me sure. to hold races. Right, right. And I had Blue Cross and Blue Shield had a bunch of races, and I had a full-time contract with them until they got a new vice president who decided that they weren't going to be in running anymore, mm-hmm. which personally I think was a big mistake. Sure. But then – Lord and Taylor came to me. Companies would come to me and want to hold a race mm-hmm. at Short Hills Mall or someplace. And it was a way to make money. It was a way to drive business to the store because the phone number was for the store. Sure, right, right, right. <laughs> then the Waterfront Marathon, um, they wanted to hold a race, a, a marathon. A state wanted to hold a race. And they interviewed myself and a whole bunch of people. And so they hired Tony DeAndrea and I came in as a package. Okay. And they hired us for the first Waterfront Marathon, which went on to be the, the Olympic Trials Marathon. Okay. Tim McClune became the head race director, and I sort of became assistant uh, with a bunch of people after that. Okay. But that was a real driving force. The first year with that packet pickup was at my store. And I had the old little tiny store, and the phone number was at my store. We were only going to have a thousand in the marathon and a thousand in the five miler. Well, that did not happen. Sure. <laughs> we had six thousand, I think, in the oh, five Jesus. mile, and we had two thousand in the marathon. And packet pickup was at my store. <laughs> oh my gosh! I would come back from meetings with the governor, with the, yeah, and the store would be packed, and we did two hundred dollars for the day because no. You, you couldn't sell anything. Right. There were so many, many people, people there. Yeah. Um, in the long run, it helped. Uh, in the short term, it hurt because then everybody knew where my store was. Sure, right, right. And they could see it. Uh, 
it killed the staff, but I was able to hire other part-time people to, right, come, to in come in to just do uh, re- registration of mm-hmm. the, the numbers and everything. Um, and um, it, 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 that was fun. I mean, yeah. drive mm-hmm. going down to print to Trenton and meeting the governor and meeting the legislature and be honored with all the stuff. The day of the race, it was bedlam out there. And <laughs> A friend of mine, Kevin McGrath, measured the course, and Uh-oh. we're standing. When you start talking about measuring course stories, it never ends. Well we're, we're we're standing at the finish line, a whole bunch of my friends, and the leader comes in, and it's like hour fifty-seven, and Uh-oh. it's only three minutes to go, or four minutes. <laughs> we think three or four minutes to go. Well, right. it's the lead vehicles have taken off. Okay. And the winner runs two twelve to eleven two twelve. Okay. Which was he was capable sure, of running. Yeah. Of Bill Rogers got second in okay. you know two. 13 or 212 so but when you see the thing come in you think oh man you really you really and <laughs> we, we still talk about that yeah. with him we all yeah. we thought that he screwed up but it ended up being you know great race great liberty state park was a great venue yeah, for yeah. it uh, so um now all along the way you've worked um with team and training, I did as well. Correct? I did <laughs> that. That started because the Leukemia Society's headquarters were in Springfield, about a mile from my store. Okay, and this lady kept coming in, bugging me about becoming a coach for team and training. Okay. And not that I didn't want to do it, but you know, I got divorced. I had a lot of free time, sure, and it's a you know, and then Betty and I just started going out. And it was—I didn't—I knew it was going to be a lot of time, and it was a volunteer's job. Not that I didn't want to volunteer, mm-hmm. but I didn't think I had enough time. Well, she puts my name on the application that I'm going to be the coach for the team <laughs> going to Ireland. She inadvertently had asked me which race I would want to go to, and I said to Dublin, to yeah. Ireland. She puts without asking me, and the flyer is out now. Well, the year before, <laughs> the entire team in training in New Jersey had raised like $85,000. Now I felt obligated to sure, start yeah. working and to get people and to get friends. What a great experience. Yeah. Unbel- they had me hooked for 10 years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They raised $95,000 with that event. Wow, and yeah. Betty and I went over to it. And it, it was just a great pl- If you've been to Ireland, you've got to love Ireland. Mm-hmm. And then I was hooked. And I started doing two and three races a year. I think I went to 30 events with them. Okay. Um, I have no idea how much money I was responsible for raising. It was in the millions of dollars. Sure, yeah. But yeah. one of the guys who became, he since died, unfortunately, of a different kind of cancer, Be, was in the store, had no idea what he did for a job, ran with me. He wanted to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. So John Kaleni. And John, I give him the brochure, and I get a call two weeks later from the head of the Leukemia Society. Dean, do you know this guy? Yeah, good friends with him. I got him there. Why? We just got three checks for $26,000. Jeez. What's he do for a job? I have no idea. I've run with him. I've run miles with him. I have no idea what he does for a job. Yeah. So I call around, and he worked. He had a hedge fund. I didn't know what a hedge fund right. was. Yeah, yeah. So he evidently did very well at it, and he he's he ended up raising over three million dollars. Oh, wow. Was on the board of directors nationally and everything. So I sort of was responsible for him for like in a, in a way, a tie-in. Yeah. But anyway, um, the people that I met through team and training were phenomenal, absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And yeah. it was just such a great organization. Uh, you know, they put me in their Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I just was so honored to you know be with that. Yeah. No, it's so, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so to kind of change gears a little bit, 
you know, after a serious, you know. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Well, first, 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 before we get into Grace's lightning round. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. So you got to be a little bit on your toes here. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty. There's plenty. <laughs> um, so obviously working in retail for as long as you have, um, what if you had to boil it down to like one crazy customer mm-hmm. story? Oh, <laughs> oh boy, there were so many. Yeah. Um, probably the guy who came in drunk one day, <laughs> and he was having some issues. Uh, he smelled really bad, and he wanted me to be the race director for a marathon that he was going to hold in Hoboken. Uh-huh. And he was getting money from George Steinbrenner to run the race. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he had these placards that he had made. He had glued pictures onto it. And he, I couldn't get him out of the store. <laughs> I could not get him out of the store. And he starts buying things. And he gave me a check. Well, yeah. He knew. And I was just trying to get him out because I had other customers there. And he was drunk and he smelled so bad. So I go into the back of his car and he has a whole case of beer in his car. Yeah. And it's gone. It's empty. (laughs) So I got him out and he drives home and I get a phone call from the Bergen County Police Department. Yeah. That they see all the stuff and a receipt in the car. And how did I know him? I swear it was the only time I ever met the guy. Right, right, right. And uh, he, they ended up putting him away. Okay. But he was the, the, the craziest customer I ever had, <laughs> by far, by far, you know. And there was, I think, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, there was one person in, because, you know, when we have people go and test out shoes, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, we yeah, send yeah, them outside yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. There's o- there was only one person in the entire time that you yeah. had the store that actually ran away. Yes. Right? With sneakers? I, I, yeah, I wasn't there. Um, and the guy came in with an old pair of boots and stuff on. And That's did, a telltale sign. If they come in wearing something old, really bad. It was bad. really bad, really <laughs> old boots. And he knew that he was allowed to go out and run. He went out and run an hour later. He still hadn't come back. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, he was right ne- we, we were right near the train station and the bus stop. And yeah. He just took off and went. Yeah. But that's not bad. You know, thirty yeah, that's good years. odds. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty yeah. Good yeah. Ratio. People were amazed that we had a park. Yeah. They'd go and run around the park. Right, There's paved trail around the park, and yeah, to yeah. this day, people still say, "I can't believe you let me go run around the park." Sure, I did right, have a guy right. go out, and he was going an hour running. He came back in <laughs> the shoes. The shoes were all muddy and dirty. He's right. soaking wet, and I go, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, he. he I'm going to take him. I go, yeah, oh, you oh, don't need choice. You, oh, you, you did ten him. miles in. Him, you know? <laughs> so, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's nice to know that of all the people that you let run yeah. out there, like they all come back. So it's yeah, it's you know, and, comforting. and Sunday was a great day to see a lot of my old customers yeah. and people up there that came, uh, you know, and we hung around. Yeah. So it was like the old days. Yeah. What uh, would they have on tap up there? They, it's Sam Adam. They didn't have tap beer. They brought a uh, bottle beer. It was out. Sam Adams. No, they didn't bring the truck. No? I, they only have 500 runners this year. Okay. Um, and we were up to 18. They, we went through 18 yeah. kegs of Sam Adams one year. <laughs> And, and which there was, I was shocked in Milburn. They will let you walk around with open yeah. containers of beer. Right. And I just was shocked. The ABC, just nobody seemed to care. Yeah. The police were very prevalent. And, you know, the chief of police ran and we would stand drinking beer yeah. in the parking wow. lot. I think the, one of my favorite photos of you is that one a couple of years back. Oh. It had to have been 12 or 13. And it was you in the middle with uh, Mike Rolick and, and Jeff Perella on either side. And yeah. 
Dean's there drinking beer out of like a, a cup, yeah, well, like it was a trophy per- cup. Perel or yeah. one of them, one, one of them won yeah. it one year, yeah. one of them won it the next year. Right. And so I was drinking beer out of their right. cup, yeah. and they're both. Oh, that's so funny. Point- they're pointing at it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that's a great picture. Yeah, we'll have to post that out. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, on when we post out the yeah. the, the, the episodes. Yeah. So. I talked to Perel the other day on yeah. the internet. I haven't seen yeah. Mike Rolick in a yeah. while. Yeah, he yeah, got yeah. married and had a kid. And stuff. Oh, nice. He's got yeah. kids. Yeah, I know. He's a tough cookie. He was come in when he was a senior in high school. I thought he was about 12 years old. Right, yeah. He looked like it's little. I mean, I remember yeah. him coming in from 7th or 8th grade yep. all the way in the store. Yeah, and, and he turned himself into, I mean, he just grinded, and yeah. I mean, he ended up running to, what, 23, I yeah. think, by the time? Uh, uh, yeah, time. at uh, Steamtown. Steamtown, right? Yeah, yeah at Steamtown. Yeah, he he really worked hard. Yeah. And Perel, I remember, had the worst smelling shoes in the entire <laughs> world. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Those boys will be happy that we're calling them out and stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, all righty, so let's let's roll into uh, the the Grace's lightning round here. So she's going to uh, get get rolling here. Why don't you explain to, to Dean what the what the situation is? So we slowed it down this week. because oh, I'm because I'm older. Is that the reason? You like, said it. You said it. <laughs> you work with me, so you know how I work. Um, th- just a couple questions for you to you know answer. Doesn't have to be too long or lengthy, but whatever comes to mind first. Uh, first question is, what is your favorite all-time running shoe? Oh, the DS Trainer. It's named after be. Dean Schantz. <laughs> Had to be. <laughs> I would tell people it was named after me, and they I, they believed me. <laughs> you know what DS stood for, though? What is it? Neither one of you know, huh? Durasol. That was the name of the sole that they had on the shoe. Okay. Uh, it was very slippery, but it gave great traction on dirt and grass and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, it was Asics. I loved that shoe. They changed it. Shit, later in it, the like 24th, 25th. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 is it still out? It's still out. Oh, it's okay. still not. It's still actually. It's still named the Dean Shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Second question. I know the answer to this. I think everyone in this room knows the answer to this, but our audience probably does not. What is your favorite beer? Oh, Head High from Kane. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Kane Head High. Oh, that's, no. yeah, you know that. You could be their uh I should be. Your, yeah, their spokesperson. I think I was on their first podcast that they had. Are you yeah, serious? They, they did a beer tasting at Nikio's, and they, it was, it was a, they did a, a video of me with uh, Michael Kane. Oh, wow. And ever, evidently it shows up on uh, YouTube once in a while now. And, uh, that's yeah. too funny. That's funny. Uh, what's your favorite race? To run. Favorite race to run in. Oh boy, that's. I probably. Cross country races at Deer Path Park. I love Mm -hmm. running at Deer Path Park out in Reddington, New Jersey. It was just when I could run cross country. I just love running there. Uh, I always liked cross country Mm because that's where I started. Now, not so much (laughs) since I had my knee replaced. uh, So. And what is your favorite course to run? Other than not in a race, just your oh, own. Or, or the boardwalk. boardwalk. Or if you want to get away to uh, Manasquan Reservoir. So, but we, we up in North Jersey, we just came from Luwanica Park. Mm-hmm. We ran there last week, Betty and I, after we stayed with our grandkids. And that is a nice place to run to. Nice. So. Nice. Who inspired you when you were a young runner? Uh, my coach in college. Uh, my high school, my coach in high school did, didn't run. Uh, and he didn't really know much about running. They just hired him. But my college coach was a big, and Herb Lorenz. Uh, Herb had gone to Trenton State College before me, and he was the best masters runner in the nation and didn't live far from me. Um, and so, yeah, just watching him and how hard he worked, and I could never be as good as him. And so, you no, know, nah, he, I mean, he beat me all by a lot all the time. So, <laughs> who inspires you now? 
who inspires me now? Betty, my wife. Aww. Yeah, I mean, I see you. She gets up every morning. She gets up every morning and goes out. It can be 10 degrees, 5 degrees. And it's like, nah, I'll stay in and ride the stationary <laughs> bike. But, it, you know, she's a big inspiration to me. So, and I'll say that because she's sitting here. <laughs> uh, and should we do the last question? Yeah. All right, and last but not least, question we ask all of our guests. If you had to name a running shoe after yourself, what would it be and why? Oh, boy. I was going to say the DS trainer. That's all I already <laughs> had prepared. Um, hmm, probably the long haul. Ooh. I like it. The long haul, because I've wow. been in it for a long time. <laughs> and, you know, I've always... And you haul ass. Eat, and it, it's lasted, you know, so... Yeah. I wow. like it. I like, I like it. it. Yeah. The awesome. long haul. The long haul. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So let's let's uh, let's wrap up for the night here. But Dean, definitely mm-hmm. want to uh, give you a big thanks not only for you know everything that you do with us here, yeah. um, but you've certainly inspired countless and countless people you know that you have come in contact with yeah. over, over the years so so um, can you put this on the old new jersey runners page oh yeah because i yeah, started we'll figure out. for the people here yeah. i started an old new jersey runners page four years ago i think and yeah. it's not just for old new jersey runners but uh, no it's for and for everybody yeah you hear yeah. You know, some old things that's happened and some old things you yeah know, on facebook well we'll work on uh on tuesdays of post posting out yeah. the, the group okay. but uh but again, you, you've definitely, yeah. you know, I know you. as uh, someone who's trying to follow and carry along the the, the legacy of Run yeah. Specialty, you yeah. know, you're, you're kind of a, a legend and the godfather yeah. Yeah. to us here in Jersey. So I worked hard, but yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, that's the biggest it. thing. So. so, Well, Betty wants me to put a plug in for Mary's Place. All right. Since I All held right. a race for them. Yeah, they brought yeah, me out of retirement yeah. right. on... Um, Saturday yes. and held a great race. Uh, yeah, great no, I did, we did see, we saw pictures yeah, and things great, like that. Yeah, yeah, great yep. event. It was a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they, did, they do such a good job in Ocean Grove yeah, for women yeah. with cancer and things. Yeah, so yeah, Mary's Place yeah. is phenomenal. Is that, how, how many number of years is that race? Is that was the, the first one. That was the first year. They have okay. a walk. They've had a walk. Yes. I yeah. don't know. It's 10 years Mary's Place has been there. Okay. But uh, somebody told them that. I held races, and so I got a phone call. <laughs> went over for a meeting, and it was like, and then she asked me, how much are you going to charge us? It's like, oh, I can't charge you anything. Right, right, right. I, you know, I'm yeah. retired. Right. So, yeah. you know, yeah. So it was, yeah. Uh, no, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So you want to wrap up? She looks at me with the death oh. stare. So, all right, guys. So thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, we definitely want to give a big shout out and thank you uh, to Dean Shantz, uh for joining us tonight. I'm sure as we roll through this, uh, we'll be certain to have him back because I'm sure there's plenty more uh, stories to tell here. So, um, Grace, you want to uh, roll us out? Sure. So we want to hear from you guys. Send those questions to us and you can follow along with us using the handle at RunnersHighNJ on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And guys, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We definitely uh, appreciate y'all listening and we'll catch up with y'all next week.